welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. are starting a new series, our summer series uh, called Kingdom Culture. And if you've not been around River Valley, uh, I like to do a longer series in the summer. And uh, this one will be 10 weeks. So you're, you're, you're like, all right, we're in this one for a while. All right. Here's the thing. Each message will be connected, but they are independent. So if you miss a week, don't think like, well, we're skipping the rest of the summer. We'll see in September. All right. None of that, all right? They're, they're connected, but they're independent. So if you miss a week, go online, catch it, uh, be involved in it, and uh, realize that each week, it, it, it's a standalone. It, it, you don't have to like, get caught up on all the other previous weeks, but you'll understand in just a moment. If you remember when I launched our vision, uh, I said our theme was strengthened. At the beginning of the year, I said, it's strengthened. That's what I want to do. Which incidentally, if you remember the vision message, that's when I launched the beard too, all right? And you notice it's still here because Becca likes it. All right, so anyways, all right, yeah, she likes it. All right, she said, it's good, it can stay. So, but the theme was strengthened, strengthened. And that was our thing. And I said, we are going to be strengthened. We're going to be strong. And I said, we're going to give $6 million to Kingdom Builders. And last weekend, 113000 to Teen Challenge. And uh, I talked about people being water baptized. I want to see over 1,000 people water baptized. Uh, I don't know where our number is at, but I want to share a story. I was preaching at Minatrista, and I was, I've been visiting the campuses lately. And um, I, I was preaching live that morning, and, and they said I look bigger than I am on video. And, and I, I, was, I was there, and I grabbed the guy out of the crowd. I said, can you come help me? And I brought him up on the stage. I didn't know he was a new visitor to the church. And then at the end of the service, we give an altar call, like, who wants to give their life to Jesus? He raised his hand and, and raised his hand and he gives his life to Jesus. And everybody was like, did you know that? I said, no, I picked him. He was sitting towards the front. I just, he just happened to be close towards the front. He, well, then he hears it's the church picnic that day. And he hears that you should be water baptized as a believer. He's like, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm in. So he got picked in the service, saved in the service and water baptized that night. I loved it. So if you've not followed Jesus in water baptism, you need to do that. You need to follow him and publicly proclaim what Jesus has done on the inside. And we said, strengthen is our series or our theme for the year. And I'll just give you, you caught up on a couple of verses. In Acts 16, verse five, it says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in number. I believe God wants us to continue to grow, but he wants us to be strengthened. And instead of chasing growth, we chase being stronger in Christ. We chase being healthier as a follower of Jesus. And with that health comes growth. And then in Acts 14, 21, it says, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. They said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And it was like they were strengthening the believers. They went back to those cities and they said, you know, we, we, we led you to faith. You became a believer, 
but we want you to be a disciple. We want you to be strengthened, and that's been our theme. I talked about in our vision message that we have a global call together, that we have a global call. Our church has a special anointing on it to take what is going here, going out here, out to the world. And I said, you know, we're more than a local church. We have a global calling. And I shared a few areas. I talked about our music. Matter of fact, our worship team just led worship at Joyful Noise. Thousands of people were there. I mean, thousands. And, and our worship team was selected to lead worship. In just a few weeks, our worship team will be leading at the General Council for the Assemblies of God. There'll be you know, almost 20,000 people there, and our entire worship team that, that week will be leading for the whole conference. It'll be live streamed to the world. They said at one point, 14 million people were watching the last one online. And so everybody's going to see Pastor Ryan's Mohawk, and it's going to be there, you know? And so he's out there. But this, this hit me up. Past, uh, a friend of mine sent me this. He said, you won't believe this. He said, I did a funeral for a guy, uh, David DeFore. And he said, he asked that we would sing, Hope Has a Name, His Name is Jesus. And he said, and he wanted it on his tombstone. So I want you to see this picture of the tombstone. And then can you zoom in? Uh, yeah, they've got Hope Has a Name. His, that's at the bottom of it, right on the tombstone. I showed that to Pastor Ryan and the team, and they were just overwhelmed. Not only is God using our song, it's going around the world, and people are declaring it even after they've left this earth. When people remember them, they want them to remember Jesus. And this pastor said, he said, I, I love that song. I want that on the tombstone. And he said, and I want it sung at my funeral. I'm telling you, God is using what we're doing here, taking it around the world. And I just believe there's a unique calling. If you remember, I said we're... We're local and we're global, we're global. And I talked about that Paul was global and James was local and River Valley is James and Paul. We are Jamal, all right? I said that, all right? So we're strengthened, we're strengthened. And just to reiterate, this series is about strengthening us. Um, we had over 620 people that went to the Holy Spirit retreat. Just this last week, 620 people saying, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I desire to be strengthened. And when you have this, you are strengthened. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. So if you were at the Holy Spirit uh, retreat and you've not yet received, seek after that because as you're praying in tongues, you are strengthened personally. And it says, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And so we see that where prophecies happen and we see tongues happening and people are strengthened. Now, my friend Dennis Rouse, um, he wrote a book called 10 Qualities That Move You From Believer to a Disciple. Dennis and I, uh, we see each other every summer. We hang out for a couple of weeks. We talk about church growth and church things and staff and different things. And he told me a couple years ago, this book was coming. And then he actually, when it came out, he sent me a copy. And immediately when I, when I got it, I was like, all right, we're going to use this in our strengthened theme for the year. So I've known this is coming since January. I was like, this is going to be the template. We're going to jump off of this and use it. Um, each campus has some of these available. Uh, they're $10. We're not making any money out. We're just getting them to you if you want one. There's not a lot. And we're going to use these 10 qualities each week and say one of them is going to move us forward as a disciple, moving forward, being strengthened and, and following Jesus. Now, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. 
You see that? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, it's saying that he wants us to be disciples. And we, we love when people say, I'm a believer. I'm saying, yes, I'm a believer. I believe the message that's been preached to me. But it's more than just becoming a believer. And we're gonna look at the difference in this series between being a believer and being a disciple. Somebody that says yes to Jesus, but then somebody that says, I'm going further with you. I'm going all in. There's that moment. And if I could just point out the differences um, between a believer and a, a disciple, there's more than this, but I'll just point out a few. A believer believes Jesus is their savior, but lives to please themselves many times. A disciple believes in Jesus as their Lord and says, I am here to please God. A believer exalts their opinions many times, their feelings and their thoughts above the word of God. But a disciple exalts the word of God above their opinions, their feelings and their thoughts. A believer thinks a church is a place where they go to hear uh, God's word and hear a good message. A disciple thinks of the church as a place they learn to do what God's word says. Are you catching the difference here? And I don't want people raising their hand. You're like, I'm not raising my hand. Yeah, I'm, uh, what category am I in? But I want you to get into the disciple. Uh, a, a believer serves God many times based on convenience. They, if, it, if it's okay, I'll make it there and I'll serve. But a disciple serves God based on deep conviction. A believer follows God as long as everything is going well. And I see people, the Bible talks about people that sprout up, but they don't have the roots to stay. They, they, they follow as long as it's going well, but a disciple follows God regardless of the circumstances. They just keep going and they say, I am gonna follow you. A believer is full of pride if they're doing well and self-pity when they're not doing well. A disciple is full of gratitude because God's love never fails. Uh, okay, so we want you to be disciples. And, and the whole thing about being strengthened is many have said yes to God in our church. They said, I'm in, I, I, I wanna say yes. And we're glad that you're a believer. We want you to keep moving forward so that we can go and make disciples. Disciples that say, I'm in this. I, I, wanna, I wanna be mature in my faith for God. I wanna do what it says. I don't wanna just uh, uh, avoid hell. I want to live for Jesus and, and, and be climbing into heaven and being excited about what God has for me. I, I'm hoping that as I was reading through that list, you're like, if I'm not that, you're thinking, I want to be that. I want to be that. I want to be a disciple. I want to be that type of follower of Jesus that goes for it. Now, Jesus challenged the crowds many times. See, when Jesus would preach, people would follow him. The crowds would build up and he's, he's multiplying the, the bread and the fish and, and the crowds are getting bigger. And it's interesting, if you look at the life of Jesus, the crowds would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're like, we believe we're with you. And then all of a sudden he would raise the stakes and then the crowds would shrink a little bit. And he'd say, do you really want to do this? Do you want to be a disciple? Do you understand what it's going to cost you? There's something about this. And in Luke chapter 14, I'm going to read a lengthy passage of scripture. It says this, now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We'll get to that in just a minute. All right. 
He said, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You read that verse, you're like, what? It's so high. I mean, I raised my hand. I, I, I accepted him as Savior and I... I, I I, I meant that. And again, we are so grateful for everybody that does that. But you are on a journey from believer to disciple. You are saying, I believe. And you didn't have it all figured out. And you, you probably left the church. And you're like, okay, I got to tell somebody that I gave my life to Jesus. And I got a now what book. And I'm really not sure what to do next. That's good. You do those first two things and you keep moving forward. And we want you to move forward as a disciple. Matter of fact, everything we're doing around River Valley Church is helping people to become disciples. We're saying, go to next class, go to Alpha, go to Freedom. Go to financial peace, go on a global team, join a life group, be on a life team, become a king builder. You understand that's all discipleship stuff that we're moving you forward. But many people, they just say, well, I'm here. I'm here. And we say, you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. And if you're in that category, we are glad. But that's just like, you're like, I'm here. I'm here. I, I'm, I'm here. All right. But then when you say, I'm a believer, you're saying, I'm here. How many know that? You go from just sitting there to saying, I'm a believer, it's here, and you raise your hand. But then when you go to a disciple, it moves from I sit here, I raise my hand here, it goes to I walk differently. My life is different. I'm a disciple, and it involves every part of you. It's more than just a prayer. It's your entire life, and you're saying, God, I will walk differently. I count the cost. Now, when he says, if you, if you don't hate them, you got to understand the Eastern language that Jesus was speaking was very vivid and they were using this and it wasn't literal in that way. He was saying the gap between me and them will be so big, it will seem like you hate them. It'll be so big, like you have just abandoned everything else. You are so focused on me that you're not going to worry about mom and dad. You're not going to worry about the things of the world. You are so, the, the distance is so big. I'm first. I'm preeminent. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm number one. I'm not an add-on. I wasn't fire insurance. I'm, I'm way up there. If you're going to follow me, you got to count the cost and you are going to put me way up there. And the first of the 10 things that we're going to look at uh, of the marks of a disciple is this, that a disciple is passionately committed to Jesus. A disciple is passionately committed to Jesus. Jesus is first. And the gap is so big between first and second, it's as if second didn't even run in the race. And many of us think like, well, I'm not sure I'm living there. And I'm praying we'll be called up to this level. And we'll say, we're going to go all in. And you think about what Jesus is asking here. And you think that's a lot to ask. Is it really? He's the savior of your life. He's the one that made the way so you could be forgiven. Is it really a lot to ask? I mean, I watch people in our church. And I watch how corporate America demands almost this level of obedience. Like you want to be manager? Then we're moving you. 
Welcome to North Dakota. Like, really? Yeah. Next stop, Alaska. You know, you're like, really? Yeah. Then maybe we'll move you to Northfield. You know, and you're like, oh, okay. You know, and you're like, you're moving through. And, and I watch families uproot everything. Why? Because corporate America said, hey, count the cost. You want to be a manager? You get off the train, you will never be picked again. I watch families leave with tears in their eyes because corporate America demands that level. And so if Jesus is demanding that level, he's my savior, he's first, the gap's so big, nothing comes close. I, I see these people, I'll never forget Gary, great friend of mine. He was working for Sam's Club. He was on that train and he's moving here, moving there, moving there, moving there. And it's like, Dude, you're moving all the time. He's like, I gotta move, gotta move, gotta move, gotta move. And then finally one day he said, I hate moving. I want off the train. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I kind of want to be like an outfitter up in Lutzen. And he sold everything and went to do that. While he was up there, he said, I want to go on a global team with the church. He did. All of a sudden he said, I think I'm supposed to be a missionary. And he's like, all right. And now he's living in Vietnam as a missionary. And he said, you know what? I, I, I took the same dedication I had to Sam's Club and I gave it over to Jesus and now I'm in Vietnam, all right? I'm not saying that's gonna happen to you, but I'd start lear learning Vietnamese if I was you, but I'm just saying, all right. <laughs> but think about it. You are passionately committed to Jesus. People are passionately committed to so many things. I watch people that are committed to the Vikings and they have that conversion van and they go to every game and they tailgate and they have the jersey of their favorite player. And when that one gets cut, they burn it. And then they, you know, get a new one for another $180. They buy season tickets. They pay the seat licensing. They go to the draft party. They pay the tickets for the playoffs. And they tell their family, listen, if they go to the Super Bowl one time, we are going to faint first. And then we are going to buy those tickets. It doesn't matter how much they cost. How many of you, honestly, by show of hands, were ready to pull the trigger had the Vikings made it to the Super Bowl? in Minneapolis. Come on, confession is good for your soul. I told Becca, I said, it's a one time and one time only. She's like, that is your line for everything, you know? <laughs> Moving from believer to disciple involves a shift that makes you put Jesus first. He's so high above everything else. And what does that look like? The first thing is you want to please God more than people. You want to please God more than people. We live our lives being people pleasers. And all of a sudden, when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, when you want to become a disciple, you really want to grow. You start saying, Jesus, I please you more than people. And it might be uncomfortable. You might look foolish. They're like, you spent, you went to church how many times that weekend? Like, isn't church like 50 minutes? You were there for four hours. You're like, yeah, I went to one and I served at one. What? They're like, what'd you do with your money? You gave money to the church? You did kingdom builder? Are you crazy? You are waiting to have sex until you're married? What kind of person are you? And you're like, you know what? I am passionately committed to Jesus. He's first. I'm pleasing him. I'm not worried about you. I'm pleasing him. The world will see this, though. The world will see it. How many know? And they'll pick on you. They won't like it. They, they feel pressure about this. They will make you left out. They will, they'll pressure you to give in. Listen to what Luke 6, 26 says. It says, there's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. Saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. There's trouble ahead. If you're going to live a life trying to please people, no, you can't. If you're going to live passionate for Jesus, you're going to say, I want to please you, God, more than people. 
And as you start to do that, how many know that as soon as you fight that and you start living for God, it's pressure at first, but you get out of that pressure and all of a sudden, how many know blessings start to fall on you? Favor starts to come on you. Charles Stone wrote this in Christianity Today. He shared a list of ways that this shows up in your life. He said, when you start pleasing God more than people, here's what happens to you. This is from his article. He said, you have greater creativity. You have healthier teams in your life. You have a renewed passion. You start to get internal peace. You get clearer decision-making. You get vision clarity. You get decreased anxiety. You get clarity in hearing God's voice. You're like, well, I don't hear God's voice. That's because you're listening to other people more than you're listening to the voice of God. You put him first as a passionately committed follower of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, man, things will happen in your life. You say, I want to please you more than I want to please people. When you're passionately committed, all of a sudden you start to follow God regardless of the cost. When you are passionately committed to Jesus, you say, I will follow you no matter the cost. Remember Luke 14, it said, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You just start saying, it doesn't matter. I'm following you. I'm all in. You read the Bible. It's full of all in moments. I mean, these were real people like you and I having these moments. I mean, if you know the story in the book of Esther, Queen Esther, she's like, I'm going to stand up for the people. This is wrong. And they're like, you could die. She says, if I perish, I perish. But I'm standing up. I'm standing up regardless of the cost. If it costs me my life, I am doing the right thing. Nehemiah, again, he, he hears that the walls are broken down. And in the book of Nehemiah, he's like, I've got to tell the king that I want to go fix the walls. And if I look sad in his presence, he could kill me. You know, so he's like, I'm going to go be sad. I'm going to, I'm going to risk it all. He could take my life for being sad, but I've got to share with the king that I want to fix the wall and I've, I'm heartbroken over this all in moments. Abraham, leave your country and go to a place that I'm going to show you. Those are all in moments for all sorts of people. People, uh, Peter, walk on water, come to me. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The disciples, it costs their lives to follow Jesus. This, there's something about this that says, I will follow you regardless of, I am passionately committed to you, Jesus. Author Randy Alcorn, he's one of my favorite authors because he just, everything he writes just rips me. I just, I'm like, oh, it's like doing heart surgery. He says this, he says, following Jesus is more than nodding a head or raising a hand, signing a card or repeating a prayer. Though someone coming to Christ can do any of those Following Jesus is not returning to life as usual. The only difference being that we're now going to heaven. He's like, that's not, he said, but listen, following Jesus is, an, is abandoning trust in ourselves, surrendering all we are and all we have to him. This and nothing else is discipleship. It's like, I'm all in. I'm all in. You got it all, God. You got it all. I, I want to be a disciple. I don't want to just be a believer. I want to be a disciple. And we say, God, I'll follow you regardless, regardless. How many know that many of us in our society have replaced the word regardless with the word until? I'll follow you until it gets too tough. I'll follow you until it costs me too much. I'll follow you until. No, it's not until, it's regardless. Like, it doesn't matter. 
I'm, regardless of what happens, I'm following you. I'm staying with you. I'm walking with you. I'm in this. I, I didn't enter this lightly. Do you know, I think about marriage. How many like at marriage ceremonies? And, you know, this is something that pastors think about. You know, we always are, are saying things like marriage is not to be entered into lightly, but it is a lifelong covenant. And, you know, so we're saying that at the beginning of the marriage and not at River Valley, but other places do starter marriages. Have you heard of that? People say, we probably won't get it right, so this is just our starter marriage. And uh, we'll do it until we disagree, and then we'll learn from this experience, and we'll move on. We do not do starter marriages at River Valley. You start, we do starter-finish marriages, you know, start and finish. We're all in. It's regardless. We're there. I'll never forget this. We follow Jesus regardless. I was young in ministry. I was a youth pastor. One of our youth leaders brought her friend to youth group. So she was a college student. She gave her life to Jesus. She heard the message of Jesus. She was so excited. I mean, you could see the life of Jesus just fill her and the joy. And she was so grateful for her sins to be forgiven. Fast forward about a month later, her boyfriend comes with her into my office and they're there they're together. And she says, this is my boyfriend. We are living together and... He has given me an ultimatum. It's him or Jesus. And again, like I am two years into ministry. I wish I could talk to her today because I'd have jumped across the desk and choked him. No, I would, I would, you know, like, how dare you do that to her? No, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. But I was like, no, no, no. I was like, and I tried to explain to him how great Jesus is and, and how he could forgive him. And he could get in this too. He's nope, it's me or Jesus. And, and she's looking, and, and she's like, he's serious. And I'm like, well, it's Jesus. Pick Jesus. And she's like, I don't know. I'm so lonely. And, and, and he's like, it's me or Jesus. It's me or Jesus. And he stands up, and he stands by the door, and he's going, me or Jesus? Who is it? And, and I'm like, stay, stay. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And then she leaves. I go, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And she leaves. She goes, and she just walks out. Again, knowing what I would have done today, I would have been like, security, get him out. Like, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Like, no, no, we're going to, you're going to, it's, it's all in. We got to count the cost. It may not be that, you know, just life and death in that moment. And somebody might not be bringing you to my office and saying it's me or Jesus, but every one of us has a moment. The Bible is just clear that all of us have that moment where we say, I'm all in regardless, regardless. It's like the three Hebrew children in the, in the Old Testament where they're like, hey, you might die. You're going to face the fiery furnace. And they say, hey, guess what? God may deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing to you. Regardless, we're in and we're staying faithful to God. We're in. That's how you have to get as a disciple. You start saying, I'm going to live that way. And as a disciple that's passionately committed to Jesus, here's another thing. Your world starts to become extraordinary. Your life starts to become extraordinary. As you follow Jesus and you are committed to him, here's what happens. You start living those paradoxes of Christianity, those things that seem to be contradictions, but in the kingdom of God, in kingdom culture are different. They work. They, they are the right way to live. I'm talking about giving is better than getting. Holding is actually losing. The way up is through humility. That's a paradox. If you want to save your life, you die to self. That's a paradox. You start living that. If you want to be great, you got to serve. The first will be last. 
And all of a sudden you start living those kingdom culture paradoxes. And all of a sudden, how many know your life starts to become extraordinary? Your life starts to go to another level. It just, it just all of a sudden takes on the identity of who Jesus says you are. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says this, and you've got to receive this. It's more than just a verse here, but you are a chosen generation, River Valley. You are a chosen generation, follower of Jesus Christ, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have an extraordinary identity. You have extraordinary security. You have extraordinary joy. You have an extraordinary life. And as a disciple passionately committed to Jesus, all of a sudden you start living for what Jesus desires and you put him first. And next thing you know, your world will start getting larger and larger through generosity. You see something that happened, you'll be on a global team and you'll be holding an orphan and you'll be saying, thank you God for allowing me to be used in this way. You start serving him using your gifts and talents, whether it's greeting or watching kids or leading a life group, and you feel the peace of God on your life, and your life is extraordinary. I've watched introverts all of a sudden lead life groups, and they just became extraordinary from this. Not that introverts have to change, all right? But you start leading people to personal faith in Jesus Christ, and you start living extraordinary. You hear God's voice and you follow it, and you live an extraordinary life. You, you move from belonging to believing to being a disciple. And this summer, I'm believing God is going to move us forward, strengthened, strengthened. I feel like this. Don't miss this summer. Don't, don't opt out. This is like bodybuilding leg day. You know what I'm saying? Don't skip leg day. Don't skip this. This will make you stronger. This is the life you wanted. This is the life that God wants for us. And I'm praying that we move from belonging to believing to being a disciple so this world can be changed for the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we are passionately committed to you. We are passionately committed to you. And we just, we say once again, you're first. Second is so far off the page, it doesn't even matter. You're first. We are passionately committed to living for you. God, help us. We thank you, God, for people that belong here. We're just glad they keep coming. Keep coming if that's you. God, I pray for those people that belong. They're just, they're just coming and, and checking it out. I pray that they keep checking it out. Thank you, God, for everybody that's become a believer. We celebrate the thousands that do that. But God, we celebrate people that want to move from that level and say, I desire to be a disciple. Jesus first. Jesus first. I'm going to grow and be a disciple. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.